Well, can I just say before we start tonight, it's a very big subject again. This is the second one in the series. Ben not, uh, started it off last week, and there were lots of biblical passages last week, and there will be quite a lot tonight. But uh, what I've tried to do tonight is I've tried to have them on a PowerPoint so that you don't have to flick through the Bible uh, trying to find the places. They'll be up on the screen when it's relevant, and you can look at them rather than listen to me which might be better. Um, So, this is the second uh, one in the theme, what is good? And as Alan has already indicated, he's asked the preachers in this series to take a personal approach, what it means to us. Um, And, of course, I was going to start by asking you what you thought the good news was, but he's already done it. Uh, And I was going to ask you to ask your friends and work colleagues uh, tomorrow what they thought the good news was, but then Friday happened, of course, and uh, it's probably not the weekend to ask your friends what they, what they might think the good news is as we listen to the news of what happened in Paris. Certainly wasn't good news. But yesterday I was in London, I had the privilege of going to a men's conference, and there I listened to two men who were EastEnders, uh, they sound as though they just come off uh, EastEnders, uh, they were probably about, uh, I think about early 50 maybe, and in their earlier life they had been uh, power lifters, and they still were power lifters, so you can guess what they were built like. Uh, they were doormen of, um, of discos and clubs before that was regulated, so they carried baseball bats in their jacket pockets and they used them frequently and they got into fights with other, uh, other so-called security men and uh, their lives were going through drugs and uh, through prostitution and generally going on a very downward spiral. But they stood and told us that the Holy Spirit, through miraculous ways, and they went into a lot more detail than I am tonight, uh, came and met with them, and they came, and Jesus changed their lives to such an extent that they could now stand in front of 300 men in London and proclaim the good news of the gospel message. So it was a great privilege for me yesterday. But if we are people who recognise that there is a God who is as real as the created world in which we live, we may well, of course, have a very different opinion to our work friends or our college friends, what is good news? If we go to the Bible and we look at the Old Testament, we see what happened right at the beginning of creation. We go back to a time when mankind walked with God. He had a perfect relationship with him. But he then decided to rebel against God and God's instructions, and as a result, he turned against God. And as a result of this turning away from God, he became separated from God and brought decay and destruction into the natural world that we know of. Now, if you want to know more about that, read Genesis 3. 
And then the story of the Old Testament goes on as how God gave man rules to live by, what we call the Ten Commandments, religious ceremonies which included animal sacrifices to take the punishment for those sins. And of course we know as we read the Old Testament that these sacrifices had to be done frequently because people kept on sinning. However, in the Old Testament we read that prophets prophesied the good news that a Messiah or leader would come and restore God's people back to a relationship with him and lead them into a better world. And this, for the Jewish nation, was the good news. Now, at the time of Jesus, within the Roman Empire, they were still looking for that Messiah. And Jesus came into this religious and political world and claimed to be one with God. Jesus displayed God-like powers through miracles. He taught with wisdom that was beyond the religious teachers of his day. And Jesus spoke of people concerning the kingdom of God being here on earth now and the need for repentance. Jesus brought wholeness to people's lives through physical healing and the banishment of evil spirits. And this is what some writers call the gospel or the good news. But what is our good news? If we can have the first picture, please. What is our good news? What's your good news? What's my good news? Well, here's where we get personal, of course, which is what Alan was talking about. So I'll give you a little bit of family history, if you like. I was brought up within a Christian family who attended each Sunday a church that was called the Brethren Assembly. There are still some around, but not very many. And these people in this church believed that the Bible was God's spoken word. And every Sunday evening, they held what was called a gospel meeting, at which a visiting speaker preached the good news of the gospel, that we are sinners, that we are separated from God, and that Jesus died on a cross to take the punishment for our individual sin. And they said even more than that. They said that we had to make a personal response of admitting our sins and asking, to take, asking that Jesus would take our sin away and come and live within our hearts if we wanted to go to heaven when we died. And of course, that was the, the basic message that Ben was giving us last week. Well, as a child, I was taken to these meetings during the school holidays, not when school was on, because we had to go to bed early, um, but we went there when the school holidays were on, and in due course, I made a response. I got down on my knees beside my bed at home. I asked Jesus to forgive my sin and to come into my heart, because I wanted to go to heaven, and I wanted to be a part of what this was all about. Now, this type of preaching and gospel culture was based on the reading that we heard tonight, John 3, verse 16, the very famous verse. But it's also based on Romans 5, verses 8 to 11, 2 Corinthians 5 as well. And so, what better news could there be than, as the old hymn says, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. And so that's the good news that Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty for our sin so that we might become the children of God through faith in Christ alone. That's the good news. And that was the good news to me as a child. 
However, as time passed on, and I got more experience of life, I went through secondary school and college, I began to realise that this gospel viewpoint was only part of the truth spoken by Jesus. It was only part of the good news. Yes, it's absolutely true. I'm not trying to say it wasn't. But there was more to it than that. How could the world be made whole and people restored? Well, Jesus addresses these questions within his ministry when he spoke concerning the kingdom of God. I began to understand that Jesus came to earth as God's messenger and he spoke God's words to people, which is fulfilment of the prophecy found in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1 says this, See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me, reference, of course, to John the Baptist, then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. And so we believe that Jesus came as a messenger. And he came speaking the words of the, that the Father gave him. So his message wasn't primarily about himself, but rather the good news that the Father, that's God the Father, ordained to be announced on earth. So that's important, and that became clearer to me, that Jesus brought the Father's message to the earth. It was not simply just about himself, but rather about the kingdom of God. Now, if you uh, are wondering where am I getting all this from, I've just given you three references here that come from each of the Gospels that show what he was actually saying. So, to take it as a random, Mark 1. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So as Jesus walked around the area of Israel, he met people in their need. They were ill or they were possessed by evil spirits or they were hungry. And he claimed that the kingdom of God was near. Jesus preached forgiveness of sins. And in several miracles, Jesus demonstrated that he had the power and the authority to forgive sins, as well as making people whole. He repaired the damage done by sin, but spoke that this was only possible through the work of God and his spirit through the establishment of God's kingdom here on earth. Now, in our passage that I chose to have read this evening, John 3 verse 3, we read, In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Jesus explains this to Nicodemus, that Pharisee teacher who should have been an expert on the law. Look what he says in verses 5 to 8. To be a part of God's kingdom here on earth, we need to be human we need to be human, that is, born of water, but also born of the Spirit. For the kingdom to come within us, we must have or be born of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must be in us. The kingdom is a spiritual entity. So Jesus says in verse 34 of our, of our passage in John 3, 
God gives the Spirit without limit. We see this further on in the Gospels when Jesus promises the gift of the Holy Spirit to his followers and what happens at Pentecost. Consider the Lord's Prayer. He says this, Jesus says for us to pray, Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Jesus taught that the God's kingdom was present within people on earth today. And that's the good news. That's the good news that those men could stand up yesterday and say. The Bible speaks that not only will there be good news here on earth now, but there will also, of course, be a new creation when the kingdom of God will be brought in by Jesus, who will come and rule a second time. So then the gospel of Jesus Christ is simply the message of good news. Jesus preached his kingdom being established on earth. But we may well ask ourselves, well, what is a kingdom? What does it actually mean? Well, there are four aspects of a kingdom, all of which I think pertain to the God's kingdom here on earth. Firstly, of course, for a kingdom to be possible, we have to have a ruler or a king or a government agency. We have to secondly have a territory, an area over which the kingdom is established. Thirdly, we have to have subjects or citizens that fall within that kingdom. And fourthly, we have to have laws that are obeyed within it. And if none of the, if, if they're not present in God's kingdom, then there will be a distortion of faith. But we know and we see here the good news that his kingdom was possible here on earth now. And it was concerned with there being wholeness being restored, whether that be in physical health, spiritual release from demonic activity, and relationships restored. And we see this when Jesus tells his disciples what they should be doing, what's often called their commissioning. He says this, Jesus says this to the disciples, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Nowhere does he tell his disciples to preach himself. His concern is always in proclaiming God's kingdom. He tells his disciples that repentance is important and that they are to proclaim his kingdom. He is so fixated on preaching the kingdom that before he leaves them, we read in Acts 1 verse 3 that he tells them that they are to go and proclaim the kingdom. So the kingdom of God is where there is evidence of obedience to God's will, Jesus' teaching, the restoration and renewal and change through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as I said to you, as a child, when I listened to that gospel message, there was no message, there's no mention there of God's kingdom and the power of the Holy Spirit. I had to find that out later on as I grew up. But if the gospel is the good news, then what the gospel we learn is vitally important. We need to be sure that the one we learn is the true gospel brought by Christ. The revelation 
of the imminent kingdom of God. Paul warns about false gospels should be about he gives a warning about false gospels in Galatians 1 verse 8 we read this but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you let him be accursed so what then does this gospel and kingdom look like what is the new testament teaching about this kingdom Well, it's a kingdom that looks like power. Power to change lives, as we uh, told you about yesterday, I heard power to change those men's lives. Power to change individuals. Power to restore community and the natural world. And so, it is really important. Now, we see something about the power of this through the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there are a lot of references to this. Uh, I've given you five, okay? I'm not going to read through all of them, but let's just uh, read 1 Corinthians 4. It says, I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Paul writes a lot about the power of the kingdom of God. And he writes this also to the Romans as well. He says this in Romans 1, 16 and 17, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For it's in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it's written, the just shall live by faith. Notice how Paul qualifies the statement. He says this, for everyone who believes, simply hearing the basic announcement of the coming kingdom of God will not accomplish anything. Merely reading God's instruction manual, the Bible, serves no purpose at all if it's not believed. So what is the proof of belief then? Well, it's far more than just mental agreement. Yes, I agree with what Paul is saying. I agree with what Jesus is saying. No, it's doing what Jesus says and what the Holy Spirit commands us to do. We will repent. We will do the good works that give the evidence of the kingdom. James chapter 2, verse 20. A person who truly believes the gospel and is open to the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit will change and will work in power in their lives and and community. Romans 1, 16 says, The gospel is so powerful that it has the authority and means to bring us to salvation. Through the gospel, God exercises his power to save men. It's a potent means by which God teaches, motivates, and creates salvation in a believer. And this power is available, however, only to those who exercise trust in the words. The good news is composed of words, words that carry in them the power to move our lives towards salvation if we believe them enough to unleash their power by putting them into practice. 
Now, words are very important. And Jesus says this of words. He says, words are spirit. John 6, verse 63. And they impel us in the direction of their meaning if we choose to submit to them. And so the gospel is not a passive force at all. No, it's constantly moving us forward in the fulfillment of God's purpose. As soon as we read it, believe it, and do it. So what then is contained in the gospel? Well, Romans 1 verse 17 makes it clear. God in the gospel reveals his righteousness. God in the gospel reveals his righteousness. But what does this word righteousness actually mean? Well, it's an old English term that means right wiseness. Essentially, doing what is right. You could paraphrase verse 17 by saying this, for in the gospel, God's way of life is revealed. Put simply, the gospel message includes everything we need to know to live God's way of life. It's good news. It's to live as God does. So then, the gospel is God's means for bringing us to salvation within a new kingdom or world order. It's not merely just for the forgiving our sins. It's not only the announcement of the kingdom of God, but also the process by which we can enter God's kingdom. But this, of course, doesn't happen all at once. We're on a path of discipleship. It's a lifelong process. But the gospel is God's system of impressing upon us through the power of the Holy Spirit where we're headed and how we should live to reach his goal. His message of good news has tremendous power to motivate us and to propel us in the right direction if we truly believe. So then, to conclude, for me, the good news I started by believing that Jesus died to take the punishment for my sins, and I still believe it. This was the good news. But now I still believe this, but I also believe that the death of Jesus gives us the opportunity to receive his gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's through the presence of the Holy Spirit that we can have the power to enable God to work through us so that his kingdom is established here and now. That's the good news. That's the good news that we come to celebrate tonight. So when we look at the world and the Christian community, when we see evidence of growth of the church, when there is physical and spiritual healings, when there's prophetic words spoken and the love of God being seen in his community, then we're seeing the good news. I look forward to seeing the supernatural world of God becoming a part of the natural world in which I live. Because when I see this, then I can truly share this good news with everybody. We've got a great news. Jesus came to die for us. He died, but in doing so, he enabled his spirit to come and live within us. And then that gives us the power to become more like him. Amen.